loves in that quarter. One by up in the game that he played against you, what was that, two years ago? Who's that? Jordan Love. Um, trying to remember Jordan Love. Everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's D Diddy NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. I'm just laughing because we started the Lions podcast uh, with the Pump It Up song, and I was telling everybody I was in the nip. Um, and <laughs> Jesus, if I was naked after that one, what's the crack with this one? But look, um, quick snaps I did get asked, did somebody miss it? No, uh, the man flu has baby flu, in fact, started in the uh, Steve Diddy household, and my little three-month-old baby was ill uh, so we were sort of carting him back and forth I know some people have switched off because I don't care and then now I've got man flu and dental issues I was in the dentist uh, twice over two days and it's still not done uh, so what was me um, I do have a drop for that so look I just wanted to get on and talk about the Chiefs and then I'm going to climb back into bed um, so what I'll say it again what a game what a game let's just do a recalibration shall we um remember the expectation before the season what did we expect we'd be six wins seven wins maybe seven wins max would be good um and now we're at six um we're looking down the barrel of five games and i don't really want to get into it but they're talking about you know giants is an easy win bears is an easy win panthers is an easy win uh, we could probably put one over on the vikes given their quarterback situation so look there's potentially four wins there and that'll bring us to 10 that'll bring us into the playoffs and i put out a tweet from the group account sorry if i'm sounding kind of dull in this podcast by the way i'm feeling manky um i put it out in the group account is that guy from barstool who's the massive bears fan he's just saying it's a way to sort of look life isn't fair it's not fair right this is bs and it's just really funny to see the meltdown it's amazing now i did see some people say oh this is great brilliant now the Packers have the second Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I would say pump the brakes. However, and if you're a bit of a history buff, the Packers used to go up against the New York Giants, you know, back in the 60s. And the Giants were the team. You know, it's sort of America's team before America's team. And they always trounced a lot of people a great quarterback play but every time that they went up against them the Packers would go and stick it to them and even back to the 40s and 50s you know and every time they played them they played them tough and that's what really put the Packers on the you know international stage and that's the way it is you know when you look at the best player say for the Giants back then and then you look at what that standard is now and it's Patrick Mahomes it's Patty Mahomes um, and the fact that Jordan Love went out there and outplayed him now, there's a lot of elements to it, um, I think, and I'll get into it, but I don't think we can understate just how amazing uh, it's gone. So, again, recalibrate. We thought we'd win seven games max. We'd be happy with it as long as we see some progression. So have we seen that? Absolutely, we've seen it. Stellar game against the Bears to open the season. Uh, good enough second game. Went on a bit of a tough run, and now we seem to be pulling it back. And that's down to a number of things. It's down to... The younger players, but I always said it was a very risky um, strategy by Brian Gutkunst, is to turn around and sort of say, ah, you know, we're all young. Let's get, let's all learn together. If you don't have strong leaders in the locker room, you know, that's tough. And we were going through that tough spot, 
you know, Aaron Jones made that mistake, you know, a couple of games back where he didn't get out of bounds and he went down and it wasted time and he got called out by LaFleur. Um, now, shockingly, Aaron Jones isn't on the field. So we're without our left tackle, number one, David Bakhtiari. Without a running back, number one, Aaron Jones, who's explosive. We're without our first, uh, our tight end, number one, although Tucker Craft's coming in and doing a great job in Luke Musgrave. Uh, Jair Alexander isn't out there. I'd put a question mark over that because I don't think his play's been great as of late. But to recalibrate with the seven wins, Max, to recalibrate with all of those players missing and to see us still making strides, I think is amazing. And if you look at the touchdowns in this Chiefs game, I think that's really indicative of where the Packers are going. Uh, the first touchdown was to Sims, and I know what you're saying, who? And that's exactly the point. Um, you know, Sims was patient, made his block, let it develop, separated, and then got that touchdown. Fantastic technique. The second touchdown was Love being patient. The whole pocket was falling around him. Um, he let it develop, stood in there, made the play. Incredible. Uh, Christian Watson was playing at a high level before he went out with a hamstring injury. We don't know anything about that. We're told it's not that serious. Um, so what are we seeing? Are we seeing the team progress and develop? Yes, absolutely. And are we seeing Matt LaFleur's play calling become better? That's also true. Now, I would question, are we seeing his play calling get better? Because he's like, ah, screw it, right? <laughs> what else are we going to do? We're already in the doldrums. So let's just bang the ball up and just see what happens, right? And that could be the case. And there's some balls in this game that were thrown up and they look like they could have came down sort of 50-50 balls. Um, but the receivers made a play on the ball, came down with the ball. We've the sort of Jordan Love doing the very Brett Favre-esque falling away, throws it up on, I believe it was fourth and one. It's a really Mike McCarthy-style play, if anybody remembers Mike McCarthy, uh, where it'd be fourth and one. And instead of just running it up the middle or whatever, it's, it's like a 60-yard bomb downfield. And I'll talk about that in a minute, just how the comms were hilarious on that play in a really heartbreaking way. Um, but the Packers are getting it done now. Like the game against the Lions, will it go this way all the time? Absolutely not. Um, sometimes the game just falls well for you. I mean, let's look at the Chiefs game and look at the... We didn't. We punted twice, I believe. And in the first one that we punted, um, Rudy Ford got down and knocked it back into the field of play or downed it at the one. Amazing. Will it always go that way? No, you're going to have shanks. You're going to have missed uh, extra points, which we were having in two consecutive games, which could have come back to bite us in the ass. Uh, we didn't have that this time around. So uh, going further and fourth down, does that always work out? No, the the play broke down. Uh, he made a, a great read, uh, went to Dobbs. There's been really good videos, and I've tweeted them out from a group account from uh, Baldy, uh, from Dan Orlovsky, uh, there's loads of people coming in, Andy Herman, and there's some great stuff. And you can see on that fourth down play, they did exactly what they needed to do. And Jordan Love read it right, uh, you know, audible on the play. Just really good stuff. So look, we're seeing Jordan Love get better, but we're also seeing some good fortune there. Um, and it's bad to call injuries good fortune, but in this game, that's ex it went the Packers' way. And unfortunately, it went against the Chiefs in the sense that you know, they're on their second inside linebacker. He gets injured. Then they're their third inside linebacker. Uh, so, you know, we heard the comms during the game say, oh, Spagnolo going to the adventurous stuff. We don't really see that because the guy who had the comms helmet was basically a third stringer. And that undoubtedly played into the Packers' hands. Now, that being said, um, the defense for the Chiefs was seen to be amazing coming into this game and the fact that love exploited them and as i said earlier in the podcast you compare like with like and it's very easy to see it and there's always this talk about oh it's this quarterback versus that quarterback and you're like well 
they're not on the field at the same time. They're coming up against different defenses, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was a real statement game that, and it was at home as well, which kind of gave us that advantage, if you will. But that's the other thing I want to talk about is they keep talking about the Lambeau field and how people are slipping around all over the place. And they're going, all oh, that plays into the Packers. The Packers only ever practice on Lambeau field once during the year. And that's family night. So apart from that, they are on um, in the Don Hudson Centre uh, playing on that. So it's not as even if they're here all the time, they get used to the dimensions. I know that sounds stupid, but the feel of the stadium and all that, it's not the same. Uh, but it's just hilarious to see that narrative still sort of floating around. But look, I took notes uh, during this game. And I guess before I climb back into bed and feel sorry for myself, um, it was just that caveat that I wanted to raise. Another sort of caveat... Um, was is that there was a couple of throws that well one really that stood out and Chris Collin called it so bad that it was basically unintersceptable um so you know if you're going to throw the ball badly you might as well throw it really badly so that it can't be intercepted like I said the Chiefs being banged up in the game they're down to their third inside linebacker at the comms helmet um the positives is is that our defense was out there um and when it got down to the red zone the Packers when the play is condensed the Packers' defense play really, really good defense. Um, and that's the case as it was here. And the positive were is that they come up against an offensive line in the Chiefs uh, that they've had all season. Uh, so this unit has been together all that time. They had a guy called Pacheco, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, who, you know, was bra- the line, the runs were broken open for him. Mahomes is able to buy time. He's able to do superhuman stuff. Um, whereas the Packers' side at left tackle they're going about switching left tackle and rotating, you know, in and out. So I just think that's um, pretty special to see the the contrast that the air defense sacked Patrick Mahomes three times, Rashan Gary being an absolute menace. Uh, whereas if you look at our offensive line, which was seen as the weakest link or one of the weak links on this team, along with all the other injuries, and we seem to be getting the job done, which is great. We see a good helping of Patrick Taylor in there. Um, AJ Dillon, is winning the hard yardage. And my first favourite thing about this game was, is the narrative of, we bet the world champions, uh, we beat Patrick Mahomes, who's a superstar talent. I mean, he's the poster boy for just what you can do when you have this alien ability. Um, You know, coming off a game against the Lions where everything seemed to fall our way, coming against this game and again getting the job done, barely punting, moving the ball, moving the chains, ballsy play calling, going for it on fourth down and getting it, defending on a two-point conversion and preventing it, some superstar throws to Romeo Dobbs, to Christian Watson to win the 50-50 ball. All of that is my favourite thing about this game. But my second favourite thing is just the poeticness of this comment at the start of the game. You get all the dance, you get all the scrambles from Patrick Mahomes. And then Pacheco comes and hits you right in the mouth. Amazing. Because that was the other thing. At the end of the game, and they talked about Pacheco hitting you in the mouth, this happened. Number 10 is disqualified. Some great explanation there from Brad Allen. Pacheco, the 110 yards on the night, is done because of that punch. And again, great job by our guys of picking it up here. Amazing. You know, oh, he's the type of guy who punch you in the mouth. And then he punches someone in the mouth and gets disqualified. And we can't go on then because that sort of leads into the end of the game and the penalties and people banging on and moaning about 
you know, that they, they got away with one. But look, the hit, and I know this, because I'm doing the podcast a little bit later, you've probably heard all the narratives by now, but this whole hitting Patrick Mahomes, he was in the field of play, that was ruled, uh, you know, violent conduct or whatever, and it was brought down 15 yards um, for hitting the quarterback. And then there was that non-call when... I can't remember, was it Valentine or Ballantyne, uh, was all over the receiver and they didn't get it, but they deemed it sort of, you know, didn't really affect the, the play. And I, I read the ref's report after and they said it wasn't even about the ball wasn't catchable. It's just that they didn't think he influenced them enough. Um, And then there was Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who was stopped his forward progress and that should have stopped the clock. They should have blown it up. He didn't get out of bounds at that point and it would have ran off the clock. So... What you sort of to me that all counts into it now what I would say as well is is that the Chiefs were fantastic at the end of the game because they were asked about it and they were saying yeah well look it is what it is we didn't lose the game because of that um, but up to that point Pacheco pretty much had his way with the defence 110 yards uh, he met contact and he was pushing his way forward regardless um, but it was just bend but don't break stuff in, in certain times and those defensive sacks which mostly happened uh, when they were threatening our end zone were just absolutely crucial to keep the Packers in this game to beat the world champs um, and as I said like it's just what's weird about the Packers is they tend to sort of you know excel when they get towards the the end zone and when that play gets condensed um, but yeah look was it a perfect game? No, it wasn't. Uh, but is it everything that we wanted to? But look, there's there's a part of me that sort of is delighted. Well, I'm delighted because we're winning, obviously. But a part of it is as well as that I think it just, you know, social media is such a nicer place to be, you know, because the expectation at the beginning was seven wins, as I've flogged to death now at this stage. But it's completely forgotten then. And people expect the world. And... It's so easy to pick apart bad plays and all that kind of stuff and see the coach being frustrated and point the finger at players when you lose a game. But when you win a game, as always, you kind of just sort of paper over certain things. And it's nice to give the players and give the coaches that breathing space. Um, because I think, it, you know, a season is obviously better off when you, or even a game, watch the game, you know, sleep on it. And then come back. And that's why it's always dodgy. And it's always, I have to get my mind forward a day almost when I do the podcast straight after the game, uh, which is incredibly difficult to do when the game starts at 1.20 in the morning. Um, you know, because you kind of have to get that early perspective, well, the late perspective early, if you will. Um, so it's nice that the team, because look, you're getting online and you're trashing the team, you're trashing the coaches, you're trashing Gudekunz and saying he's, tits and then you're trashing Matt LaFleur he's also tits and then you're looking at Jordan Love and you're giving out about that then Watson got it in the neck and then Watson's family are coming out and then there's this back and forth online of everyone killing you know it's just really messy and manky and I think that fine the Gudekunst is not logging onto Twitter and going oh no Packers Dave wants me to do like he doesn't care right and they know that it's a long game and it's his job and all of that kind of stuff because even I've had a thicker skin over the years you know, you get people that say stuff online and I'm putting a lot of stuff stuff on Instagram. Uh, you know, they've went, one of them reached 5.1 million plays and it's got 220,000 likes, which is just mind-blowing. But the comments I get on Instagram and there's some abusive ones, you just let it go. I mean, you just don't care. And that's the way it is with this team. They just have to sort of wash it off. But I don't think the players, especially because the players are the youngest team in the NFL, it's not as easy for them, I don't think is to come into this, be online, and then get the abuse. Because it is absolutely shocking stuff. 
But another thing that I found shocking was, uh, did anybody notice just how absolutely one-sided the comms were in favour of Patrick Mahomes? Now, I know he's earned his stripes, right? And I'm really fond of the guy. I think he's brilliant. I think he's got a great attitude. He's a competitor. And we've all seen what he's able to do. He's absolutely earned the adoration of the NFL community as a whole. And that's fine. But literally, even bad throws are like, oh, it's a bad throw. It's everyone else's fault. Collinsworth was absolutely all over. You know, um, talk about being in the nip. And then when it got to that fourth and one play, certainly fourth down anyway, and, uh, you know, Jordan Love falls back and he's tilting and he gets the ball to Romeo Dobbs. And it's this wild Farvian sort of throw. And what does Collinsworth come out and say? Because that was the thing, right? Is that Patrick Mahomes, bad play, dodgy throw, no one open, you know. And to be fair, he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, weapons. And we look at MVS, and I was always a big fan of MVS, but we always knew that he had a limited ceiling with the drops and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, if you look at the weapons he has, come on, let's face it, it's not the sort of Tyree kills that he's had of the past. So he's also got that going against him. But anyway, he do a couple of bad plays and then he'd make one sort of off script play and he'd be like, yeah, that's what happens with Patrick Mahomes. See, he can get you all the time, her. And then Jordan Love is playing great all game and outplays Patrick Mahomes and comes up with that fourth down play and is falling away doing the Farvian effort. And what does Collinsworth say? Oh, whoa, okay. He must be good at cornhole and it's just <laughs> like, you know, oh, he must be good at that sort of boozy, you know, hole in a piece of wood game. Ridiculous. But anyway, uh, the last thing to end on is obviously Taylor Swift. Um, again, am I sick of the absolute fervor when it comes to this person? Yeah, it's a bit tiresome, right? Because it's just constant. However, I absolutely understand that this person, Taylor Swift, is an absolute powerhouse and an entity. And they keep going on about Simone Biles versus Taylor Swift. It's quite different. All right. Simone Biles is married to a Packers player. So I saw these comparisons about, oh, look at Taylor up in the private box. I look at Simone Biles on the pitch. I, I, I convinced that Simone Biles went up into the box then. Right. So she was down taking pictures. And of course, her husband plays for the home squad. So she's down there doing her thing. She lives in. And I love this thing as well. Well, Taylor Swift flies in on a whatever. And then you have uh, Simone Biles lives down the road in a one bed apartment. And she's like, going, yeah, because she lives there. Right. Because she lives with her husband. I mean, what's the big surprise? You're surprised that a wife lives with her husband. What are we doing? But look, Taylor Swift is the modern day Michael Jackson as such. Just just mind blowing. She's a billionaire, apparently. So to compare a, a fantastic Olympic goat, uh, Simone Biles, who's a lovely personality from all we can see, versus a Michael Jackson-esque just a entity that comes to... And all of this stuff of, oh, here she is coming in with security. Yeah, of course. Jesus Christ, the woman's worth a billion dollars and she's got this rabid fan base. And, you know, it's not comparative. And for the NFL, this is so good for the NFL. Because the amount of revenue they get and the fans jumping on the bandwagon for the Chiefs and all this. But look, will it create extra publicity for the NFL? Yeah, is that good? Yeah, it's good for all of us. And, you know, all eyes were on Lambo because she was in the private box, of course, because she's a superstar, right? Um, And everyone's looking at the Packers then. And then they see Jordan Love outplay Patrick Mahomes. It's good for the Packers. What can I say? Anyway, that's the podcast. Um, I'm glad to get on. I didn't think I was going to get on and do it. I'm going to take painkillers. I'm on an antibiotic and I might be end up going back to the dentist again tomorrow. So uh, I'll hopefully get on for quick snapage for your giant package if this pain uh, subsides. 
Either way, it's a quick one. So look, 20 minutes of hopefully pure podcast gold. And sorry if I sounded bunged up or in pain or whatever during it. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash UK Packers, by the way. The draw is closed for Christmas. That's always a bumper draw, but you can get in in January. I will remind you, you get onto the tenor tier. You get entered into the draw for March every single month. Signed March, Packers March. Uh, that's worth a lot of money. And also you get put into the monthly draw to get into the final sort of golden ticket draw for an all-expenses-paid trip to Lambeau Field. It sounds too good to be true, but it isn't. Callum Carrison came with us and I will be dragging Callum Carrison at some stage. I know, Callum, you're probably listening to this bloody podcast and I keep saying it without actually talking to you uh, and organising the time, but we will. We'll, um, we'll organise that and sort of go through exactly what it's like to be given an all-expenses-paid trip. Uh, to Lambeau Field but look if you're in the Patreon draw my aim is to get a piece of signed merch to every single patron that's on that gold tier so I give out a guaranteed prize every month to month uh, to someone who is been who's been on Patreon but hasn't won something so you're guaranteed if you stay in long enough to either win one of the big prizes or get a signed prize anyway so I think look the service that it offers to Packer fans to get merch over here which is nearly impossible to do I think is a pretty good deal and all the money that we get for gets ploughed back into paying for this two grand plus sterling trip uh, to Green Bay along with all of the shipments of merch that we get over and I do signed merch unboxings anyway I've been at Steady the NFL we've been at UK Packers and until Quicks and the Pause for a big package see you then <laughs>